Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast, and your authority on all things Leadville. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. We want to take you on a journey of storytelling of our now 38-year rich history. We also then want to follow that up with tricks and tips that will get you to that line come August and let our community members have a little say in that too. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll see you this summer. We'll see you at home in Leadville. Well, today I'm honored to have a very special guest with me. Today we have Carl Miller. Carl Miller has been uh, my dad's right-hand man for many years. They served a lot of years together in the mine, served a lot of years together as county commissioners, and then in the state house in Denver. Carl also had a great deal in developing the National Mining Hall of Fame and is several-time generation Leadville resident. So, uh, very special to have him here with us today, and without further ado, I'd like to get started with my buddy, Carl. Well, Carl, I'm really excited to have you here today, but normally my first question to these people is we have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. Uh, but you're a little unique. You are a multi-generational Lake County resident. I'd love for you to Tell us your start in Leadville and what, what you remember from your beginning days here. Okay, well, again, I didn't uh, find Leadville, but it found my grandfather on my mother's side. And uh, he came over from Ireland, and uh, he, he'd worked in the mines. He, he uh, got to Leadville in the 1800s, 1896, I think it was. And so my mother and her family, all of her brothers and sisters, was born here in Leadville. My mother was born in Leadville. And I was born in Leadville in 1938. My grandfather, he passed away before I was born, but uh, he was a, a Republican. He was a city councilman for three terms, and then he ran for a county commissioner, which in those days, the uh, Republicans never could get elected, and he didn't get elected. Uh, but uh, And I don't remember him. All I do is remember what my mother told me about, about him. I know that he had served for the three terms as a, uh, a Leadville city councilman, and he was superintendent of a couple of the major mines here in Leadville. My mother was, went to school here, and uh, my father actually was born and raised in Aspen, Colorado. And uh, they came, my, on my uh, father's side, they came from Sweden. So I'm half Irish, half Swede. My grandfather on my, uh, grandfather Miller, he actually got here in 1881 <laughs> into to Colorado, went to Aspen, spent several years in Aspen, Went back to Sweden for about six, eight months, came back, and then he uh, met my grandmother uh, in Aspen, which she was Swedish also. And so that's that's kind of the, the background of where uh, my uh, my family background uh, from Sweden and uh, Ireland and how they got to Leadville. And uh, I went to school here in Leadville uh, to grade school and high school. 
And uh, when I got out of the service, I went. Uh, when I got out of high school, I went to work in the local mines up here, the Irene Mine. And uh, then I was in the army, served uh, two years in uh, in Germany and Gelenhausen, Germany. And I, I came back and I uh, got came back to Leadville and uh, uh, knew that. Uh, this was my home, and I always loved Leadville, and I loved the mountains, and uh, I started settling down, and I uh, married my high school sweetheart, Marianne Scala, and uh, we've been married uh, 60 years last month. Congratulations, yes, sir. And uh, I went to, then after, when I got out of the Army, went to Climax, I worked underground for 25 years, 27 years as an underground electrician. Yep. Now, were you, I didn't know that you had worked in the Irene. Were you also an electrician there? No, were you mucking back then? No, I was just a helper. Okay. I okay. Just, just a helper. That was my first time underground at the Irene shaft. And then, uh, but the, no, I was, I was just a helper. Well, so I find that it, I knew that you'd grown up in mining, and and we're getting ready to get into my next question. With that, I didn't realize that that political side had started with your family so early, and then I, I find it interesting that he couldn't get elected as a Republican, but you've spent your career here as a Democrat, and now, and we'll get into this later. But my dad started his life in Oklahoma with a Democratic family and was one of those coming here trying to get elected as the Republican. But let's go back to... Um, well, let me add one other okay, thing on sure. that. As far as the political side, my mother was involved with the Democrat politics for years, and she also was elected and served as a Leadville City clerk. Okay. So she served a couple terms as Leadville City Clerk. Okay. That was a, that, it's an appointed position now, I think, but it was an elected position back then. Huh. Okay. 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 So, uh, and you had stated earlier that you wanted that, that the political line in my family from my grandfather, my mother, myself, and now my granddaughter. Just, uh, is serving her first term as a Lake County Commissioner. Yes, we've we've had a lot of fun interactions with her, and and just love that that lifeline's still alive. Absolutely. Um, and now let's now you and my father have served several lives together in different careers, but let's go back to that at Climax. So at Climax, you were an electrician. Do you want to tell us any more about that? Well. Ken and I worked together underground, and and, uh, and we uh, served as Lake County Commissioners together, and we served in the legislature together. But uh, our first, I've known Ken for 45 years, and when he first came to, to uh, Leadville, and I think it was 1976. Yeah. And uh, so I've known him that long, and uh, we worked underground, and uh, we, uh, together, and uh, we just... Uh, Protected each other underground. We yeah. under, underground is uh, can sometimes can be a, a dangerous place, and uh, we always looked out for each other, and that's where our real friendship started, and uh, uh, and continues to this day. Well, I I think you're too kind. I think uh, 
I think as my dad recalls, you were a saint and he was a sinner. And uh, I, I know that you were the electrician and he was in charge of the crushers. And and he would try to get that ore moving through there too quick sometimes. And, you know, he'd get a piece of wood or metal in there and that'd shut that crusher down. And and I know that, you know, then the, then the belts can't carry the ore and the trains can't dump on the belts and it just creates a chain reaction. And I think he'd have been fired a lot of time if it hadn't have been for you coming to his rescue um, saying that it was just an electrical issue. So, well, we we did we we protected each other there, and and he. Uh, uh, it is true that your dad stuck. <laughs> there was a sixty-inch gyro gyratory crusher, and it's it's a very powerful machine, and it takes a lot to stick it. But Ken had the the talent to be able to stick that. <laughs> Many many times, and I tried to bail him out a time or two to help him out. Well, I mean, so amazingly, the two of you made it to the end of that run without mine. Um, and you know, we talk about that horrible day in 1982 when we were shutting our doors, but we also talk about the brighter side. Uh, you know, now you were both county commissioners when when that mine shut down and. Uh, you've been involved with Leadville Trail 100 from day one, and a lot of people don't know that. Uh, so do you remember that day my dad came to you with this idea of the Leadville Trail 100? Is there anything you can share about that? Oh, I remember it. Uh, I, uh, we had a, uh, an Operation Bootstraps, and Governor Lamb came to Leadville, and we had a big parade walk, walk down Harrison Avenue. And after the uh, the parade and, there, and all of the people gathering around wanting to talk to the governor, uh, Governor Lamb met personally with Ken and I, and we, we had a long, deep conversation. And to this day, Governor Lamb is a personal friend of mine and Ken's. And uh, he uh, he told us we got to come up with something. So we're we're a one industry town. We're very proud of the mining industry. At that time, and to continue to the day, Leadville mining is our history, and we've been very, very proud of our history. But he said, try and to diversify, and uh, try to get something where you can get people to come to town and get people to to, to stay. And uh, so we talked it over and said, after that conversation, a couple of days later, Ken came in the office and said, I've got an idea, and he said, we'll start a hundred mile race. And he said, and they got to be done within, is it 30 hours? Yes. 30 yeah. hours. I said, oh, my God, Ken. I said, you know, you're crazier than hell. I mean, they can't run 100 miles up here in, in 30 hours. Yes, they can. And uh, Ken, was, he's always been very optimistic. And uh, uh, he always said, you know, uh, this is probably almost a verbatim quote of Ken's. He said, you know, you're tougher than you think you are and you can do more than you think you can and I remember a quote that he used to say about from uh, Henry Ford and he, he's Henry Ford said if you think you can or if you think you can't you're right mm -hmm. and uh, that was then Ken's philosophy so anyway I told Ken I said well I mean I'm behind you 100 percent we'll do it what we can to help you but I want to emphasize I mean this was 
Ken's vision, his idea, his vision, his fortitude, his desire and to make this happen and and he made it happen and the, the first time that the, the and I shot the gun for the for the first race and uh, uh, I I don't know the exact number but I there was less than uh, 100 in there like 86 or something oh, yeah I think it was 48 or 48 yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, there wasn't many in there and through Ken's determination uh, and excitement and enthusiasm he he kept pushing this race, and every year it got a little bit bigger. And he came up with the name Race Against the Sky, and uh, that that's exactly what it is with with the altitude we have. And it has just developed into a uh, just a phenomenon that uh, that this community is proud of. And and I want to say the one thing about Ken Ken's idea. There was two things behind this. Number one, he desperately wanted to help the economy in this community and in my opinion and the opinion of many others he did just that he he saved the, the small business community yeah and uh, a lot of businesses would have closed completely if it wouldn't have been with this influx of uh, uh, people when the races start to develop and the other thing he wanted to do and that's from a local scene. He really wanted to to uh, to help this community. And the other thing, from a from like a personal point of view, with the racers, he wanted to convince everybody that they could do it. It's you know you got to believe in yourself and trust yourself. And no matter about the altitude, no matter what the conditions, no matter what the weather is, the day of the races, you can do it. And he done that. And the one thing I always say about Ken is. Ken wasn't born here. Right. <laughs> Ken Clover was reborn in Leadville. Wow. And he has a love for this community and an enthusiasm for this community and just a deep, deep-seated love and respect. And that's that's what I think led Ken to start these races. And, that, and that's why I've always said he... He wasn't born here, but he was reborn here, and uh, he has been such an integral part of this community ever since. Well, that's a very beautiful thing for you to say. That's that's really special. Um, so now, and you not having a, a background in running yourself, is that what's kept you so involved, just that same passion? Because you have that same passion for the community, and it's easy. We're going to get into that later, but... Um, you know, is that what's held your interest here? Well, no, I, 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 I'm not a runner. Uh, but, uh, I, after several conversations with Ken and knowing that he was serious about this, which I at first thought he was joking, I could see the benefits that this was going to have for the community, not only in the short term, but in the long term. And as it developed from, uh, you said 48 people. Now, I mean, there's a cutoff of, I don't know. We're up to 800, and we've had to step back from, from a higher number just to give those athletes a better experience. So uh, so I, I really, I could see the benefits of this, the economic benefits, plus putting Leadville on the map, nationally and internationally. You have runners from all over the world that come here. 
So it, it didn't take much convincing to me to, to see how this would benefit the community and continues to benefit the community. And we can get, we'll get into the legacy in that a little bit later. But just the influx and the, the, uh, the I think the college did, I know the college did a study three or four years ago, uh, the economic mm-hmm. impact, and it was something like $13, $14 million a year of the uh, uh, economic impact of this community. And I think they did it a couple of years after, and it had gone up to twenty. Okay. So yes, yes, um, yeah. Now, so okay, and we're, and we're even leaving off. You know, then we start this bike race, and it takes two thousand people. <laughs> so we even uh, that's the thing about what's interesting about having you and and these great locals from the very beginning is. You know, we, we went a decade before we even had that bike race. But, okay, so you guys finally got this thing off the ground. and You know, you're you're his big community support, and we got a lot of help because every miner's out of work and they need something to do. Do you have any candid, memorable moments from those, from the first few events or any thoughts about how you thought it'd go or how it turned out? Well, I think the best memory I can see is that that how I I could see it develop very quickly, year after year after year. It only took, I don't know how many years, but it didn't take too many years before you started seeing, instead of the 48 people or the 100 people, you started seeing several hundred people. And then, like you had stated, uh, Cole, that, it, within 10 years, the need was there for a bike race. <laughs> yeah. And so we could see that, you know, with, with uh, I, I think anyone could see that, that there was a desire and a need there. And people love to come to the high country. They love the challenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, in effect, I mean, Ken, he, he worked so hard on this, but the race started the development telling its own story. Sure. The race started from, from mm-hmm. racer to racer. From from main, uh, the, the first race when there was probably, you know, the 48 people, that they started telling people so that it, the race was its, its own advertisement. That's it. Certainly did become that. That's a great way of, great way of seeing it. Now, also, now we, we know we've always, the race was founded on the principle of, you know, we're not going to take money from the community. We're going to bring money into the community. We're not going to take sponsorships in the community. We're going to advertise the community. Um, but after a while, there was a need to grow that too. And we turned into a, a 501c3 starting the Leadville Trail Legacy. And you've been on that board since day one as well. And um, most of our athletes, these fine racers, have helped with the program of sending our uh, graduating seniors with a hundred thousand dollar scholarship to uh, furthering education institution of their t- choice. And the past year, a couple of years ago, we were able to step that up to $2,000. But what are other things you're proud of, or what are you most proud of having been a part of that and, and have seen come through? Well, I think the Legacy Foundation almost speaks for itself. I mean, we've done so much with the funds from the Legacy Foundation. And the good part about that is that's an offshoot of of the races. 
but so many of these runners and bikers that come in here are so impressed with it that they, in, in, in addition to their entry fee or something, they'll give $100 or $500 or $1,000. Hey, I want this to go to legacy. I want this to help this community. And you had stated, Cole, about the, the uh, uh, scholarships we give every year. Uh, and that has helped so many kids. It, it's opened the door for so many kids, and there, there's no restrictions on those. Those scholarships, if a kid wants to go to a welding school, if he wants to go, if a, they want to go to be a beautician, if they want to go to CMC to get them started in the, the upper education, if they want to go to uh, CU or to Notre Dame, I mean, they can use that wherever they want. The, o- the only restriction is, is that they've got, they've got to commit, and we don't give them the money until they've registered in yep. a, in a trade school, a, a uh, school of higher education. Or, uh, so once they get that, we don't, ask, we don't ask for anything back. We don't say, hey, how's your grades or anything. You've got the ticket. Mm-hmm. And the philosophy, Ken's philosophy behind that was once they get in the door, they can see how important education is, that they, they uh, will continue their education. And there are so, so many of them that this – this was the first step, and there are so many kids that we've we got a proud history to tell you about that really went on to really succeed in life. And the other one is the kids when the the, the first program was the the um, Christmas party for the little kids. The you know people was unemployed. Yeah. There was no they they didn't have any Christmas at all, and. Uh, the legacy has put up three thousand dollars, or four thousand, or five thousand, whatever it takes, every year to buy gifts for. And we don't even get it. All we do is tell the school, you, these needy kids, you get them, and not any of the kids that's in those younger classes. You get them the presents they want. You and we leave it to the individual teachers. They can ask their kids whatever's class they're in, what would you like or something, and then Santa Claus brings them. So there's there's the two main programs, but the other programs, we meet four times a year, and we give so much to this community. Uh, some of them may be called social programs. We've helped with a lot with the Saint, with the St. George's Church, but we try to, 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 to emphasize on things that's building the community and something. Uh, Something positive that's going to, to be that will be a challenge for other uh, grants that they, they can seek other grants, other foundations, and that where they can say, "Hey, the legacy just gave me five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars," and but a lot of times when we do this intentionally, we'll say, "Hey, here's ten thousand dollars, but use this as a leverage to get." Because they'll come mm-hmm. in and tell us we're looking at XYZ Foundation or we're looking at XYZ uh, Climax or someone like to, to match this. And we'll say, okay, we'll use it. Tell them that we gave you the money if you can come. So it's worth wonders. It's worth, and, and the community, and all of that is local. All yes. of that is local. The only thing that I think that we've ever went that wasn't local was a year ago we went. Uh, and you know the races go into Chaffey County up there in Pittsburgh, yeah, and and uh, Winfield, and they had a little. 
I don't know, six, $700 grant. They wanted a, uh, uh, about the, their history grant. Uh-huh. And we were more than happy to, to, to do that. Well, yeah, we, we use that ground enough. I guess that's a good call. Um, now, also, I I find it unbelievable that the two of you were allowed to serve in the state legislature together. Now, you're commissioners together. Um, Dad lost his job as the minor, and, and he went into the state house for state rep and then went on to state senate, and you went into state rep. And, you know, I also... It's just pretty comical to me the two of you suffering your way through Denver because I know you're doing it for this community. What are some memories that you you two have together serving on Capitol Hill and some of the things you accomplished for this community up there during that time? Well, when my term in love, Ken and I served together eight years down there. Ken, he, when he vacated his seat, and went, ran for the Senate, I ran for his house seat. And uh, we always worked together. There was never, even when we were county commissioners, there was never anything partisan between us. And there was never anything partisan when we were in the state house. And I want to add, that's pretty typical of the rural legislators, yeah. be, be it a Democrat or a Republican. Because the front range, they've got their own agenda and that, and they tend to forget about uh, the uh, the rural areas. So we were always uh, working together to do anything and everything we could for, for Lake County. I think one of the best committees that we ever served on, and I don't even know if it's still in existence, but they had an energy committee there. And it was 10, it, it, it included 10 different energy producing states, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, uh, Utah, uh, Nevada, uh, and, and three or four different countries, Mexico, Venezuela, uh, Canada. And we uh, would make a couple trips a year on, on uh, to uh, on, on these on the energy committee mm-hmm. at to different countries, Ken and I went to Venezuela, we went to Canada several times, and um, what we would learn there is, is that, that try because we were very pro-energy, and we still are, mm-hmm. uh, with to protect our oil and gas and our, uh, our uh, natural resources, the, the mining industry and that, but the one little, there's a lot of stories I could tell you about, but the one thing I used to get with Ken is every time we would go somewhere, Ken would always, not always, but almost everyone that I can remember, he'd buy a cup. <laughs> and I'd ask him, why do you have this cup? We might have been in Caracas, Venezuela. And he would say, because we'll never, this path will never cross this path again. And he said, I want to sit at home some morning and drink my coffee and bring back these memories. And I can tell you another story. I mean, there's so many stories I could tell you, but I can tell you another story. We went to Biloxi, Biloxi, Mississippi, and we were driving. We we stayed in in New Orleans, and we drove into Biloxi, and there was a big sign all over it, and and sign. And I'm going to have to have to check. I think it was their 300th birthday. The 
Biloxi. And Ken said, my God, 300 years. He said, you think what we, we got to do something? It was raining. Uh-huh. And we had time because the next day, we because these weren't junkets for us. They, they, they were all, they were, I mean, you were in like a class all day studying and, that and learning from people. And but we had some free time and we stopped at a cemetery in the rain. Ken said, let's see if we can find anybody that was buried here 300 years ago. <laughs> and we're getting sold. <laughs> but that's the kind of things we used to, that, that we did when we did have any free time. Uh, well, that's great. I never heard that. Yeah, that. We... <laughs> wow. Well, and so okay, he's retired from politics. You're retired from politics. What does Leadville politics look like today? I hear your granddaughters now, and you're starting footsteps. Yes, Kayla uh, Marcella. She's my my granddaughter, and uh, I don't know. She's just following the. Family tradition, or but she's always been interested in politics and uh, grew up in it, and uh, uh, and I think it kind of rubs off on you. My, my, myself, when my mother used to have the caucuses and that, and those days you used to have them right in the precinct caucuses in your home and that, and I never was never thought about going in politics because, <laughs> and then next thing you know, it, you're thinking about it. So yeah. Uh, I get. I can't speak for Kayla, but I think that we're very proud of her, and we're and she's. Uh, uh, we think doing a real good job, and, and she enjoys it. So uh, we would just wish her the best. Well, I sure think she's doing a good job too. But the, so is she chasing down Grandpa's advice very much, or is she just finding her way? Or? Well, I think she finds her way. She <laughs> she. I'd love to give her advice, <laughs> but I don't know that she'd take it. She, uh, I let her go her own her own way. I, uh, uh, I happen to be uh, a Democrat, but I would, I think most people would consider that I'm a ultra conservative Democrat. Oh sure. And I think that's maybe why Ken and I got along so good. He was a moderate Republican, and uh, I was wasn't one of these liberal Democrats. And so uh, we've seen uh, some of the the uh, things that was facing this state and this county when we were commissioners. Uh, we've seen him in a, with a like mind. Uh, well, and Kayla's got a great thing going for her because Leadville is founded on the backs of strong women, and she's one so. That's a, a good ticket right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we got two two uh, women commissioners. Uh, we got a woman a sheriff. We got a yeah. So uh, a woman a superintendent. So Leadville is doing their share there. Well, and boy, we always have from from the days Baby Dope pulled out her pistol and told those boys to start rowing that boat from the Titanic. Um, now. You're also quite the entrepreneur as well, um, and 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 we'll just visit back into that being very proud of our mining heritage and everything. Now we had a a junior high go belly up when you know after that mine closed, and you had an idea. Do you want to tell us about that and what what you did with that junior high? Well, number one, it was. It, when you were here, Cole, it was a junior high. It was my old high school. 
and uh, I don't want to say that it was my idea because it wasn't the uh, the uh, the mining museum, and it's the only federally chartered mine. Uh, mining museum in the United States of America and that took an act of Congress and uh, it was the the original idea was in, around 1976 a group of mining people and a Denver Post reporter by the name of Red Fenwick uh, were talking about that we needed to protect our mining heritage on a nationwide basis and what better state would be in Colorado so they they got they collected a bunch of money and uh, started, and they had a, these big ambitious plans to build a big brand new facility in Golden, Colorado. And uh, it didn't work out. They had, they paid too much money on architects and this and that. And so it kind of went defunct. And then about 1986, and I was still county commissioner, uh, there was an ad in the, at that time, the Rocky Mountain News and the Denver Post that the the this organization was start it was getting started again and they wanted to find a community that was interested. Well as county commissioners we were interested, the city was interested, the school was they had a vacant school which was your junior high, my old high school, and we put together a package and there was uh, many communities that uh, was interested in this, but none of them could match what Lake County uh, what this community did. And uh, the school gave us a hundred year gave a hundred year lease, uh, and the county we put in a couple hundred thousand dollars. The city made concessions. The Parkville Water gave free uh, fees, uh, waived their fees for several years, and so I want to emphasize that the this community is what really was the backbone of my success or any success that that that's had, that the mining museum is, has had, and that's my opinion. So uh, to the, uh, they, they hired a second director, a new director, and uh, out of Denver, a professor from, uh, from uh, Colorado School of Mines, and then he had a colleague there that uh, was, he wasn't a curator, but he knew a lot about minerals and that, and they, they'd come up a couple days a week, and things just was not going well in 86 and uh, or in latter part of 86, 87, and 88. And uh, the community was getting uh, kind of discouraged. They, well, there wasn't a lot of progress there. And that's no, no, I don't mean that as a fault for those people that was coming up. I had a kind of a part-time job coming up from Denver. And the chairman of the board at that time was a retired president of Phelps Dodge by, by name of Dick Mulek. And Dick called me one time and said, hey, I want you to be the uh, president and executive director. And I was very reluctant. I, and I said, no, I, I just don't think I, I'm interested in that. And so he, he and Dick was a very, he's deceased now, he was very uh, persistent individual, and he kept calling, kept calling. And I said, "No, but I'll tell you what I will do." And I'd had some luck over the years, uh, writing a lot of grants for the for the county and the city, and so I had kind of a reputation that I could get some uh, uh, knew the grant cycles and that. And so I told him I'd write him a grant, and I did, uh, and uh, I wrote it for seventy five thousand dollars, and I it was due in May of 89 and uh, 
So he kept saying, "You, I want you to take the job. And I, I didn't want to take the job, but I finally gave in. He said, well, if you got the grant there, you might as well be the guy who gets suspended if you get the grant. So uh, he talked me into it, and I, I went in, and, and I, I, I got 70 out of the 75000 that I asked for. And that kind of set the the, uh, uh, the tone. And I raised way over a million dollars for the mine museum, developing mm-hmm. the interior. And, that, and it was kind of a partnership between Dick and I. Dick knew everybody in the... Uh, uh, a lot of people went because of his position as president and retired president of Phelps Lodge, and I had a lot of contacts contacts with the, with the state government and uh, Betcher's uh, Foundation and El Pomar and Gates, and uh, so together we kind of leveraged like uh, the, the the funding. Maybe that's where we learned to leverage our legacy funding. But I uh, mm-hmm. I would. Uh, write a grant for uh, the, the biggest grant I wrote uh, was $836,000 and that's when we redid all of the outside of the and put the the, the new facade on the, on the outside of the building, put handicap access in, did a lot of work inside of that and that kind of accommodation of the state grant from the EDC grant which was a federal grant from the State Historical Society uh, and I want to tell you again, I just really want to emphasize the luck I had here was because this community never said no. <laughs> when I needed something, I would say, you know, I, I call the road and bridge and that one. I, I needed a 10% grant uh, match for that grant. They tore up the sidewalks. They did a lot of that. So, uh-huh. so this community, uh, in my opinion, really deserves a lot of credit. I believe in my own heart. And I can't really prove, prove this, but I believe in my heart there wouldn't be a National Mining Hall of Fame today if it wasn't this combination, this perfect storm with where, where Dick knew the people, the right people, and I knew some of the right people, and the community of, of Leadville and Lake County got be, behind us and, and made this happen. Well, and I, yeah, I'd, I'd say the same for our success. It's the magic of this community. Yeah, absolutely. On, on all accounts for sure. Um, now, okay, you got this entity created. It's been pumping along. What are some top C's when these people are in town? What do they need to go see in there? What are what are some of your favorite exhibits? Oh, or- well, there's no question on my favorite. There is so much to see there. And, again, we don't get any federal funding, but it's the only federally chartered mining museum in America, and that's mm-hmm. it's, it's more of a status symbol. But... Without a doubt, my favorite is the underground hard rock mine. And I mm-hmm. I designed that from my days when I worked at the Irene, just as an 18-year-old in mine. And it's a small mine. It's a, a replica of the of the what the Leadville mines and all of the early day mines. Climax is a huge mine and it's it's a different uh, method of mining, but uh, and we did all of that ourselves with local people. And that the only thing that we got out of Denver was uh, uh, the artificial rock. Yeah. But we had uh, uh, Bruce Bardick. He just died about a year ago. He was my carpenter, and uh, Joe Jardy, that's still here in Leadville. He was his partner there, and 
We uh, and Climax and the Black Cloud Mine were so generous with timber and <clears throat> rail and stuff that we needed. Uh, so, so again, it came back to and, we, and the Osmond family that the, they're, mm -hmm. they're they're both deceased now. That black shop, uh, blacksmith shop came from there. So there's a lot of local stuff in there, and uh, but uh, like the little hoist that came from the Black Cloud. There was just uh, so much of that was done again because Climax, Black Cloud, the local community said, hey, we're going to, we know what you want to do and we're going to help you do it. Yeah, great, great. And uh, now, and I, so athletes, you heard that, you know, go to this National Mining Hall of Fame. I'm still not sure many people definitely enough know about it. You know, what are some of your other favorite uh uh, museums around Leadville, or where else would you send people for a historic, a quick historic dose of what Leadville is? Well, the the Leadville Lake County LCCA Museum, right on the corner across from the fire station, and just a stone's throw from the mining museum there. Uh, and now it's been closed because of COVID the last year. But uh, that's a lot. That's all lo led to local history. And then, of course, the Tabor Opera House. Mm -hmm. and uh, the Tabor House up on East 5th Street, which is owned by the city. Yeah. And and the city now is the owner or of the, uh, or at least part owner of this Tabor Opera House. So those those are all, and the house with an eye, that's in private hands now, but uh, when that is open, uh, and we had a tough year, which the nation did last oh, yeah. year. With the, but the, uh, uh, those would be on the absolutely the mining museum's got to be my number one. <laughs> and the, the the side story to the mining museum is uh, that we the mining museum is also also owns the Matchless Mine, and that's because an old class miner made a mine. Uh, uh, Margaret Doyle, her mother and dad, and Bill and yeah. Helen Scholar right across the alley from you. Yeah. They they had the the, the Leadville Assembly. And uh, then when they all passed away, and Margaret uh, was went through, all through school with me, they uh, she called me one time and said, and I was wasn't at the mine museum then. I I was in the legislature, but she wanted to donate that, and so we made arrangement that 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 in, is in the hands of the mining museum now. And the mining museum has been uh, doing very well developing the that and making all the necessary repairs up at the Matchless, and that. That, too, is something that everybody wants to see. And I do want to say, just stepping back to the legacy, we just, this our last meeting, just yeah. three, three weeks ago, we gave more money. We put some, they're going to put a, a 16 by 8 mural, mining mural up on the mining museum that, oh. that we, that the legacy paid for. And we've given other uh, 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 grants to the mining museum. Great. Great. Now, okay, now, what would you tell some of these people to do if they came here in the off season from the races? I mean, obviously, besides from the museum, what other things can people enjoy up here? Well, Ski Cooper has always been a family. If if they're into skiing and that, but and the uh, the uh, uh, mountain the, the bike the bike trail uh, that circles led to eleven and half miles in that the mineral belt the mineral yeah, belt yeah. the mineral belt uh you know that you can snowshoe on that you can 
ski on that. Mm-hmm. And in the summer, it's biking and it's uh, walking and uh, hiking. So, I mean, I think that we, I, I can see that the, uh, Lake County is about 76% owned by the federal government. So we've got a lot, a lot of public land uh, that's uh, available, and I think you're you're already seeing it with what happened last year with the virus, how people were coming to not only to Lake County but to the high country and that, and and we're I think we're going to see a lot more of that. People got a taste of what was yeah. what we've got to offer in the mountain communities, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Okay, well and. Boy, I, I could not agree more at all. Um, now, you have been here for all these events. Uh, you've seen them from all sides. Uh, you know, these people do need advice. They need advice from our people that can give them the right advice on nutrition to training. But what advice would you give them that you think they need to know? What What is unique to you that you can tell these people will get them to that line? To get them where? To get them to that line come August when they come up here to take on these runs and bike races or even before that in in June to from the camps all the way through the events. Well, I think that get back to the, the line that Ken came up with, the race across the sky. I think that you could add to that the race against yourself. <laughs> I think it's a challenge to yourself and, and you know, that, that you really can't, you're stronger and better and then you really give yourself credit for. Mm-hmm. And if you keep that in mind, that, and if you don't finish the race, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, you're challenging yourself. And at the end of that race, if you make it 100 miles, if you make it 75, you make it 50, whatever you do, you're a better person and you prove something to yourself, and most of those people that never finished the first year, second year, third, they they come back and they eventually <laughs> make it. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Now, what now? What do you look forward to with the LRS events coming to town each year? I always, I'm always excited about them, and I I, I think that they bring so much to the community, and there there's so many of those people that leave this community that are actually an ambassador for this community and, and, and for, for what we have, the amenities we have and the outdoors. And there's so many of these people, including my neighbor. I mean, people that, that, <laughs> that came, that came up here to run the race and ran the race from Texas for several years and mm-hmm. that, and they ended up making this their permanent home. Yep. They bought a home and they, they've been here and and that there, there's many many cases like that that people fell in love with this community, fell in love with the race series, fell in love with the outdoors, and uh, now they're permanent members of the community. Well, and they're in a pretty personal home to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, one thing I ask a lot of people, but I think I'm going to get one of my best answers from you. What do you think of when you hear the word? Leadville. Well, it just fills me with pride, <laughs> you know. And I and I, there's a, a saying, uh, Channing, the the guy in the 1890s, uh, Carol Channing. Yeah, yeah, Channing Davis. Yeah, and he said, "There's 
got one Leadville, there will never be another. Yes. Now, I do know that there's a little small mining camp, which we found out just a few years ago in Australia. But really, there's never been another. There will never <laughs> be another Leadville. And, you know, this, this community has uh, there's the, the fortunes that came out of this community, the Betri fortunes, uh, Dow Street, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Dow Jones, you know, when Ken and I was, we were in New York one time and uh, we went down to look to see because Charles Dow, he wrote the the letters here and when he was in this community and we went down to see if we could find it. The archives were in New Jersey, so we didn't get to see it. But there, there are so many fortunes. Uh, and uh, Leadville, uh, it's unique, but everybody knows it's here. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. Well, this has just been such a great and fun trip down memory lane, and, and you've always been so much a part of my family. But before I cut you loose, is there anything else you want to share with these people? Well, I just want to say on the personal note, you and your mom and dad, Mary Lee and all of them have been, been very close to our family also. And uh, uh, it's it's been uh, a mutual joy. And uh, uh, Ken, your family is like my family. They love Leadville. And the people that will come to Leadville, they'll find a way to love Leadville too. Yes, they will. Well, thank you very much for your time. And uh, this has been a real treat. Thank you. Well, that concludes an episode with probably my favorite community member, Carl Miller. Now, when we tell you it takes a village, uh, Carl's part of ours. And once you found Leadville, uh, Carl's part of yours. So... Thank you very much for tuning in. Once again, if you've liked what you've heard, uh, hit subscribe on your Leadville Race Series podcast, Grit, Guts, and Determination, and get all your race information at leadvilleraceseries.com. We can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.